You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Tammy Simon. Tammy Simon is the founder of Sounds True, a multimedia publishing company dedicated to disseminating spiritual wisdom. Based in Boulder, Colorado, Sounds True has published more than 800 audio, video, music, and book titles, along with online courses and events. A two-time winner of the Inc. 500 Award as one of the fastest-growing privately held companies in America, Sounds True is widely recognized as a pioneer in providing life-changing, practical tools that accelerate spiritual awakening and personal transformation. I had the pleasure of working for Tammy for almost 11 years as the VP of Sales and Marketing and Events at Sounds True, and it is my pleasure to be talking with her today. Tammy will be a featured presenter at the 2013 Emerging Women Live Conference, October 10th to the 13th in Boulder. In today's episode, Tammy and I spoke about handling the everyday fear. Everything depends on how much you trust. Authenticity and its acceptance in society. Mentorship and the best way to mentor. The energy of tenacity and the will and when to let go. Here is my conversation, Emerging into Being, Leading with Trust, Authenticity, and Presence, with the inspirational and accomplished Tammy Simon. Well, welcome, Tammy. Really great to be here with you. I thought that we could start this podcast by doing a check-in. And I might take a few minutes to just explain what that is to our listeners. At Sounds True, you've developed a policy to connect people before a meeting, a team meeting, or before a meeting of any significance where we each kind of go around the room and we take a minute to say something personal about the state that we're in at the beginning of the meeting and what might be going on in our lives or in our business and work lives that would be particularly illuminating for the meeting. And um, it's just a really nice way to drop in and connect to people before we actually have an exchange. And so I wanted to do that check-in process. And I've missed the check-in process because it's been I think almost a few months now since I've been out of Sounds True and launching my own business. And so it just feels so natural for me to start with that. And I could start or you could start. How does that feel? Why don't you start? Okay. So I feel, and it's good to get this out on the table, a little nervous. I feel like almost that I'm showing my first poem to my favorite poet. I'm interviewing the interviewer. And it just feels like I'm a little bit not quite, I'm navigating unknown waters here. I also feel so much gratitude to be here with you. I feel like you've really had such a big impact on my life. And to see our relationship go from, you know, me working with you intimately and working for you at Sounds True. And now here I am, you know, I'm almost rubbing my hands together because I have you all to myself and I can ask you all these questions and we can do a deep dive and... So I feel a lot of gratitude for that and uh, my whole experience, it sounds true. And I think I also feel 
just genuinely happy. I feel like this whole trajectory in my history, everything that's happened between me and you here at Sounds True, working to, you know, build Sounds True to where it is and has just made such an impact on me, both personally and in a business setting. And I feel like this is a very um, big, almost a crescendo that will maybe also extend and have many, many more crescendos. But it just it feels very significant for me. And I'm happy to be here. Usually we say welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I notice when you said the possibility of doing a check-in that I uh, suddenly felt tension in my stomach mm. and a sense of, oh, I'm going to be asked to come forward with how I'm actually feeling right now. And I know that check-ins are the most powerful when people tell the most truth and go to the most depth of their being. And it's one thing to check in with four or five people in a meeting, and it's another thing to check in with a microphone and know that your check-in is being broadcast to God knows who for how long. So I feel uh, a little terror or... Uh, how much do I say? Uh, I notice that it's a lot easier to be interviewed than to interview somebody. And I do a lot of interviewing. And I have a sense of, oh, good. I just get to be here in the moment. And I don't have to keep a thread of meaning woven throughout this conversation. That's Chantal's responsibility. <laughs> Mine is just to be myself. And I think if I were to identify some of the tension working with you in your new capacity at Emerging Women, it's a new relationship for us. We had an old relationship for 10 years where you worked at Sounds True as our director of sales and marketing and events. And this is a new relationship and I think one I'm still finding my way in and one that has a lot of unknowns in it. And so I think I feel just some uncertainty and even, yeah, I don't know if fear is quite the right word, but some emotion that feels like on the fear spectrum in association with that. Hmm. Well, welcome. Thank you. It's interesting because your podcast is called Insights at the Edge. And I remember when we were going through the titling of that and you really liked the edge because you wanted to dig into people's experiences, the experiences in the moment or, you know, in their lives at the time that you would interview them that put them on edge. And I just feel like it's interesting that right now this is a little bit of an edge, I think, for both of us. And uh, it feels juicy somehow. So maybe we could kind of weave that in if it comes up again. But I do want to lean into the just the concept of fear and on one hand, you're not really quite emerging because you've had a business for 20, almost 30 years at this point. And yet I feel that there are many emergences in our lives. And one of the things that happens when we emerge into something is that there's most likely some kind of fear or anxiety because there's some unknown in that unfoldment. And I'm curious to see if 
you have experienced fear, obviously, through your career here, it sounds true, but has that come up recently now that you've had a company for 30 years? And how do you handle that if it does? And what does it feel like as opposed to when it came up when you were first starting, sounds true? Is it the same texture? Mm -hmm. So I'm very comfortable with fear being a part of my life every day. I mean, I mentioned that I felt something that I would think comes on the fear continuum right here, Mm -hmm. entering this conversation with you. And I think we're not just always emerging as in phases of our life when we have new challenges and new opportunities to creatively express ourselves. We're actually emerging fresh in every moment. Mm. We're always truly emerging. And fear is actually that breeze of being out of control. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen here. And I'm entering something that is unknown. And, you know, I read emails on a regular basis. I just open the email and I feel afraid. I just feel afraid. I'm like, read that. I'm like, really? Oh, my God, I thought that this was going to happen and it's not going to happen. And I notice that my body is flushed with something that you could call fear. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that I feel okay with it is that I love being courageous. I love seeing people act courageously, and I love watching myself respond to events with courage. And there wouldn't really be acts of courage, real courage, if there wasn't fear. Mm -hmm. If that was absent then it wouldn't require this pulling and drawing on inner strength Mm -hmm. and finding our inner resources because we would never be challenged to even tap that well. And so I I love it all. I love the fear and then I love the courage that comes when we say right with it, I have faith. I have faith in my heart that I will tell the truth in this moment. Mm -hmm. I have faith in the universe that if this thing that's happening that's disappointing or not turning out right, that there's some meaning in it. I trust that. Mm -hmm. And so the fear lives right with, partnering with, actually, this, I would call it, indomitable faith in the unfolding of events. And they actually coexist. Now, you asked, is it different now Mm. than it was when I was younger? And I think I'm more accustomed to the rhythm inside me that the rhythm that says, jump anyway, leap anyway. Mm. Oh, my God, I took this leap, I did it, and now I'm terrified and I'm falling. Oh, I'm familiar with this. I do this all the time. I get it. So now I think I understand it so much better. Mm-hmm. And is there a, a practice beyond the perspective that you're going to be okay when you fall or, you know, the memory of you being here in the pattern over time of having experienced this? Is there a particular practice that you fall on or you lean on in times when it gets really acute? I mean, if there, I'd say there's a practice and then there's a perspective. Mm-hmm. The practice would just be tuning into the body, breathing allowing the force of gravity, relaxing, and experiencing at a somatic level a sense of just being okay 
with whatever is happening in the body and letting the breath come and go in an unencumbered way. So just a form of natural breathing. So that would be the practice. Mm -hmm. The perspective is the meditation teacher that I've studied with now for 12 years, Reggie Ray, who was a student of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, said that at one point in a talk, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche said, everything depends on how much you trust. Mm. Everything depends on how much you trust. So I've studied that phrase, that sentence, everything depends on how much you trust. And it's a trust in what's happening, in the actual intelligence, the feedback that's coming in one's own heart, the goodness that's inside of us, that we can call on that and bring that to the situation. Mm -hmm. So I reflect on that and bring that forward. Everything depends on how much you trust. I received an email this morning that was disappointing to me, and it's one in which I wanted things to go differently, and I thought to myself, trust it, trust it, trust this. What I like about that is that it's both, you know, you hear that a lot, trust in the mystery, and and on one hand, there's something really profound about that, but it's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you are deeply disappointed. But what I like what, about what you said was that trust on, on the inside, that you're actually really connected with what's happening. And I think that that takes it, it's not just about the future and how events are unfolding, but that you have what you need to handle whatever is happening on the external. All of it, the yeah. whole package. Trusting everything that has happened in the past. Yeah. Trusting everything that's happening right now and trusting everything that could happen in the future. So all three time zones. And then also trusting, and I'm using this word, our own goodness. Mm -hmm. But I think that's so important because that's what, at least for me, that I can relax into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just did a podcast with Kristen Neff, and she has this practice where you actually put your hand on your heart, and I've been doing that, and it makes it a lot easier to trust in your own goodness <laughs> because sometimes it's just, you know, when you have a lot of challenges, it's the one thing you forget, and it just has it's been a reminder for me. Well, great. Okay. So... One of our taglines at Emerging Women is live the truth of who you are. And you are a person that I hold in high esteem because I feel like you live the truth of who you are. And has it always been that way? And when did that start for you? Well, my mother used to say when we would have guests over to the house for dinner, she used to call me aside and she said, stop making that terrible face when the gentleman would be speaking or whatever. And I'm like, well, what terrible face? And she's like, you're making a terrible face. I'm like, well, I can't stand that man. And she's like, but don't make that face. And I'm like, I can't control what, what face my, you know, my, what expression my face goes into. So I, I think that I've always been someone who, for whatever reason, plays with an open hand, mm -hmm. at least to the best of my abilities. Of course, different situations require different kinds of things. But I like leading with genuineness mm -hmm. as, much, as much as possible. So, yeah, I think that's been true about me my whole life. And has it always been received 
you know, right now it just feels so fresh when someone's truly authentic. The work of Brene Brown is catching on like wildfire and, and more and more people are recognizing authenticity as it's being delivered in certain people. And I'm just curious if you remember as someone who at a very early age was exhibiting this, whether that was always received or was it off-putting where people, you know, how, how did the world yeah. absorb that? Well, I would say I've often not been well-received and have felt like an outsider Mm. in uh, very, very, very many situations. And part of the reason I, I think, ended up starting my own business was because I don't think there was just some existing business that I could plug into. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I I don't think my genuineness has been particularly well-received historically. Uh, you know, I think for a long time I felt kind of like an alien. Mm. I was like, maybe maybe I came from some different star and like somehow got into a human body. I don't know how. And, you know, here now, I'm 51 years old. I don't feel like an alien anymore. And I feel so happy to feel like I belong to the human race and that I have a community and uh, teachers and friends and a, a meditation community and feel a real deep sense of belonging. But it wasn't always like that, and my authenticity has not always been well received. Hmm. And yet you, you know, I've seen you over the last 10 years just been unwavering. Do you ever feel like you are challenged, that you have to tamper it in any way or are you sensitive to other people's you know reaction to it or well I've tried to become more skillful Mm. in entering and working with different populations and communities just to communicate well and you know when in Rome kind of thing so Mm -hmm. I've tried to become more skillful and here it sounds true we have 90 employees and I've tried to be what I would call politically sensitive in mm-hmm. ways that maybe I wasn't in the beginning days of the company. So it's one thing to be genuine, but it's also to really understand what is this context and what do other people need, what will help and inspire other people. And that's not always just to blurt everything out. It's to pick and choose and to have a good edit function that can filter what's needed to say what will actually be efficacious in a situation. So I think I've grown in that way. Great. You have. Just to comment on that, I think there's still something so fresh about the way you comment on things that doesn't really have that political filter. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the company's called Sounds True. Yeah. And I remember as a young person watching politicians on television. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can tell they're lying. I could see in the voice, in the delivery, I could see that there was something that was out of sync between what was happening inside the human and what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And it outraged me. And it deeply disturbed me. And I was like, how could it be that the leaders in our country are not actually congruent in what they're saying, how they're saying it, and what they mean? And a lack of congruence in somebody saying something but meaning something else Mm -hmm. is highly disturbing to me. Mm -hmm. And part of what I wanted in Starting Sounds True 
was to work with and record and be in contact with and put out the work of people who had a congruence in their inner life and in their vocal expression and in the work they were trying to do where it all lined up, Mm -hmm. where it all made sense. Because I know when I'm with somebody who has that kind of congruence, I actually relax. Mm -hmm. I feel safe. I feel like uh, I can come forward. What you see is what you get in them, and what you see is what you get in me. And those are my favorite kinds of meetings and encounters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You are, and once again, I've been working for you and been inspired by you for the last 10 years. So, But you have a, a, an ability to lead just by being who you are. And I think that's such a, an amazing leadership style. It's probably the easiest leadership style too, right? You just be who you are. You don't have to negotiate and try and put this overlay and, you know, political agendas. And, and yet I think that, you know, I wonder if that can be intimidating for people if, you know, you're not sensitive in the way that you are. If people just come out and they blast people with, hey, I'm living my truth, and they're not sensitive to the people that are working around them. And I feel like you have a real gift for that. And I'm curious to see, and again, this might get into that edgy waters since you have been my mentor, how you feel about and to what degree do you consciously mentor and shape people in that way beyond just being sensitive to their needs and creating a communication style that's inclusive? In what way do you use your leadership to bring the best out in people and to actually grow them? And and how does that feel for you to be in that role? Because you are in that role, not there just for me, you're in that role for the other 90 people that work here. Well, to me, the best way to mentor people or to magnetize people or to lead people is to actually love them, Mm. to actually really love them, to find things in them that are genuinely lovable, and to want to magnify their gifts, to want to draw out their gifts, to want to help them find ways that they can bring their own inspiration and calling forward and manifest it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's natural for me to love people mm-hmm. because we're built for it and people are intensely lovable. They really are. And to find that part, and it might be in loving somebody that it's, you know, I love them so much and I can see in loving them that they're in the wrong place, Mm. that they shouldn't be working here or they should be working in a different department. And because I love them, I actually want them to leave and go someplace else and do something else. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think it's through love. At one point we were talking a couple of years ago, or maybe it was just last year, and you you were really starting to connect with the heart. Um, not that you weren't before, but it was really becoming amplified for you. And I'm wondering, since you're talking about love, if you could talk a little bit more about how that became more important for you, that connection to the heart and how it plays out, both in business and in, in your spiritual life. Well, I think I've been extremely fortunate and probably one of the greatest blessings in my life is that about 12 years ago, I met Julie Marie Kramer, who is my life partner. And she has a 
gorgeous heart and is extremely empathetic and has taught me and continues to teach me so much about relationship, about attuning to the other people who are in the room, Mm -hmm. something that really wasn't very natural to me. Uh, she would be like, why didn't you stop and say hi to that person? And I'm like, what person? <laughs> like, what, are you, what are you talking about? I was thinking about something or I right. was planning something or I was inside myself. And, I, you know, I, I think I'm more of a task-oriented person mm-hmm. and she's much more of a relational person. Mm. And she's been my teacher in how to really receive what's happening with everybody in the room, in the space. Mm -hmm. I also think that as I've grown and cultivated a deeper meditation practice, I've just become more sensitive. It's like the, the armor or the levels of skin aren't there that used to be there. And I just pick up a lot more on what's happening with other people. And once I pick up on it, I naturally want to respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just been interesting because you're out in the public a lot. And I think that you have to be careful of about when you are introspective to protect that and also to be accessible to others, especially as a leader, you want both. And it's striking the balance must be difficult sometimes when a lot of people are demanding your time and yet you need to tap in deeply to that creative space. So I think you're, you know, have done a great job with that. I require a lot of introversion and I, I take it. I take time for that. Yeah. There's another dynamic that I think a lot of business uh, leaders experience, especially when they're in 30, 40, 50 years. And that is the, the energy of, of tenacity and will and also knowing when to surrender or to let go. And I'm curious if you have any specific experiences with that and how that dance has, has played out for you. you know, I try to tune in to what's being asked of me mm. in a situation. And interestingly, this year at Sounds True, uh, we've been doing these rituals at the beginning of the year, which you'll know, where we ask for guidance about how can the best of us be brought forward for the company's benefit and for our own growth in the year to come. And the message that I got this year was, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Trust the team, trust the team. Get out of the way, Tammy. This is your year to let things go. Mm. And so that's interesting. You know, there have been other times where I've gotten messages like, you know, uh, dig in deep like you're, digging a, a ditch <laughs> outside and just get the shovel and just keep digging. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do is just keep digging. And, you know, for me, there there isn't, like, it's not like one's better or one's worse. Or, you know, it's like, what is needed in this situation mm-hmm. right now? What's needed? And how can I see that clearly? And I might not be able to see it clearly through whatever ego filters I have, but I can see it clearly through prayer. Hmm. And when I pray and I ask, show me, show me, oh, universe of love and intelligence, what is, what is needed from me in this situation so that I can do your work, 
your work of healing and amplifying goodness in the world, what's needed? And then, you know, I hear instructions, and I think all of us have that capacity. You can call it the still small voice within or your conscience or a -hmm. sense of guidance, whatever. And then do we follow it? Mm. Do we follow it? And yeah, tenacity is needed. Letting go is needed. Mm -hmm. And in any given moment situation or business cycle, a different degree of each might be needed. Yeah. I mean, one of the, that's what we're trying to do with emerging women is to bring in more of a balance between those masculine and feminine tendencies and kind of approach. I think a, a lot of people get into business mode, and I'm experiencing this myself, where the tenacity and the will, especially when you're in the startup phase, can take over. And being able to let go, even in the face of not knowing what that's going to result, is it takes a lot of courage. So we're back to that, and appreciating that courage is is a good one. I'm glad we started with that because you're just going to draw on it over and over again if you're in this situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that dance myself. Well, we have time for a couple more questions, and I wanted to say I wanted to ask you something that you've done recently that you feel proud of. Now, the word pride and proud, it's kind of a tricky one. And if it feels, I, but I want to say that. I actually want to say it, especially for our listeners too, because I think women in general have a hard time feeling proud about the things that they do. And we tend to diminish um, and push away accolades. And so I had a, you know, I was sort of going back and forth on that question, but I want to say, what have you felt particularly proud of in the last, let's say, two weeks? Two weeks? Yeah. We could go longer if you feel. Well, I'll tell you the first thing that occurred to me, and it it did happen this year at least, but I feel very proud of the self-acceptance series that Sounds True put out. Mm. And this is a series of 22 interviews followed by a summary of the highlights of what I learned. And part of the reason I feel proud of it was that it was a free series that we put out, and it was so beneficial to people. People got so much out of it. I received literally hundreds of emails from people telling me that it impacted them and changed their life. And I think what I feel proud of was that I really came to it with this question that I was asking, and I was genuinely asking it, which is, why is it so difficult for people, even people who have meditated for decades, even people who have been in therapy for decades, why is it still so difficult? I just actually don't really get it. Mm. How can this be so hard for us to be kind and compassionate to ourselves, especially in difficult circumstances. How can that be? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Yeah. How come all the meditation students I work with, all, most of the meditation students I work with, that becomes the one thing that no matter how many interactions we have, they still will come back and report to me some way that they're flagellating themselves about Mm -hmm. something or other. And so I had this very genuine inquiry in me And I learned so much from the series, and I feel changed by it. And I think it also gave a lot to a lot of people. Mm. And it's still available for free. So I feel really proud about that. And um, just for our listeners, that's on the SoundsTrue.com website. We can get access that? Yeah. The Self-Acceptance Project. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, I know you had a lot of wonderful authors and speakers there. And our last question would be, if you had one piece of advice to give 
a woman who is in that state of emergence where she's creating something and whether it's a business or a creative project or she's stepping into a leadership role and there is a lot of unknown and there is a lot of fear but there's also a lot of juice because there's that commitment to living the truth of who she is what would your advice be for somebody in that situation well again i want to underscore that i think we are always in a state of emergence and the reason i'm saying that is i think my advice is take one next step. Mm. Just do that. You don't have to know the whole thing. You don't have to take some huge leap. Mm -hmm. We just step. And one next step leads to the next step, leads to the next step, leads to the next step. And I think part of what gets us all effed up is that we want all kinds of assurances. We want to see the big picture. We want to know where this is taking us. We want to know if I take one step, what are the, what's the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh step? And I don't, I don't think it's like that. I think in this very moment, there's one next step to take, one phone call to make, one journal entry to write, one uh, piece of furniture to buy, and then pause after the step and listen to the universe, listen to space, listen to the creative force, and listen for what is the next true step, the next step that's in alignment with that guidance. And some steps will feel terrifying and some won't, but once we get used to stepping, we're, we're emerging our walk is a walk of emergence all the time. And constantly new creative life is pouring out of us and new projects and new opportunities. And you take a step and, oh my, who is meeting you? What opportunity is meeting you? And you thought maybe you were walking in one direction and you meet someone or something happens and you start moving a little in the other. You don't really know. And so if you plan the whole thing out too far, then you're actually not in the moment mm -hmm. in which the information is given to you about what the true next step is. Beautiful. Thank you, Tammy. Thank you. Fun to talk to you. Great. Wonderful. <laughs>